You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast. Welcome to Voluntary Vixens, where Jesse and Maddie give a female voice to news and pop culture with a libertarian twist. Join us to stay informed and challenged while keeping it sane, peaceful, and most importantly, voluntary. Hello, hello, everybody. This is our third episode of the Voluntary Vixens. This is Jesse, one of your hosts, and Maddie. Hey. And it is a beautiful Saturday morning. I just got done running a 5K, so I am dehydrated <laughs> and delirious a little bit because we tried to start this episode earlier and I literally could not think and I needed my chapstick. So, but now we both have our chapstick and we have our caffeinated drinks, so we're ready to go. Today we're going to talk about free speech and the bannings that have happened recently. I think we're also just going to basically focus on that today because that seems to be the focus of the of the week in the news is just on that. We're going to try and limit ourselves uh, because the idea and the topic of free speech, as we were kind of uh, riffing together before we started recording, we went on about a million and three tangents over about yes, an hour. We, we spoke for about an hour and um, just trying to figure out what we exactly wanted to talk about today. So, I mean, I think that just leads to the importance of why it's so important to be able to speak freely, no matter who you are, no matter what your ideas are, as long as you're not uh, inciting actual violence, like actual violence. Yes. So, yeah, I think it's a, well, it's a pretty broad topic. It's one of the most important things that we can talk about. It's why we're here. It's paramount to why we're podcasting, period. Why we're able to have a voice that gets shared with people beyond our day-to-day, face-to-face interactions. Like, thank God for the internet. Thank God for technology. Yes. And I think that's the thing is, we were thinking about the, the main people that are talking about the news. Milo Yiannopoulos... Paul Joseph Watson, Laura Loomer, Alex Jones, and strangely enough, Louis Farrakhan were all banned this week from Facebook, which means they also were banned from Instagram because Instagram is also owned by Facebook. I follow Laura Loomer on Instagram and I've kind of watched her progressively lose every platform. She can't even be, she can't even be on any of the uh, PayPal or Venmo, any of those platforms either. So I'm, I'm curious to see what she's going to do next, because I don't think she's going <laughs> to, knowing her, I don't think she's going to sit down and take it. One of the things I kind of wanted to talk about in relation to all of those is every single one of those were considered alt-right and that was why they were banned because they had alt-right thinking. I'm going to ask you, Maddie, what do you think they mean by alt-right? Well, when you say they, I imagine you mean just the mass. So like, especially the mainstream media or just uh, mainstream politicians or basically the loudest voices in the room, the loudest voices at the table. And when they call somebody alt-right, they are placing all kinds of negative connotations on them, uh, on, on a vast group of people. So if you actually look at it with a microscope, the people that they're lumping into this overly broad category is enormous. But what they're trying to really get at is basically like they're racist, they're bigots, they're homophobes, uh, misogynists, like they'll throw that in there. 
anti-Semites, deplorables, you know, as deplorable as you can get, right, Hill? <laughs> but, it, like, the reason I can't really define it is because it's such a vague construct. Yeah, the way I see it, well, I'll let me first define alt-right, and then I'll kind of put my two cents on, on that. But I just Google alt-right. It says, in the U.S., so apparently they're just saying this is just a United States definition, an ideological grouping associated with extreme conservative or reactionary viewpoints characterized by rejection of mainstream politics and by the use of online media to disseminate deliberately controversial content. That's just very loosely defined, in my opinion. It's almost more, it's almost like a nicer definition, though, than um, what I think, like, the mainstream media would use. Mm-hmm. Where did you, Jesse? where did you find that definition? It was just the first thing that popped up when you Google. So I looked down a little bit further, and I found the Merriam-Webster definition. Oh. It made it to Merriam-Webster? Mm-hmm. Wow, we live in an interesting world. Merriam-Webster says a right-wing primarily online political movement or grouping based in the U.S. whose members reject mainstream conservative politics and espouse extremist beliefs and policies typically centered on ideas of white nationalism. That's That brings me to the next thing about the white nationalism, but I think when you listen to any documentary or you listen to just any mainstream media right now besides maybe Fox News because Fox News is considered um, conservative. LOL. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you're going to find that everybody that's basically right of center is alt-right. Mm-hmm. So everybody who voted for Trump, by the way, is, if I don't know if you guys know this, if you voted for Trump, then you are alt-right considered by some people in the mainstream media not everybody but some and that just makes me think of do you remember calvin and hobbs did you ever read that comic when you were young is that the adorable tiger yeah it's the little boy with the tiger the imaginary tiger well they played a game called calvin ball and Mm -hmm. the funny thing about that was that calvin ball meant that you could just make up the rules as you go along (laughs) hmm And so they would end up making up these just ridiculous rules as they played the game. And whoever, and you never know who would win the game because they all changed the rules as they kept going. Well, that's kind of how I see our politics being defined by the mainstream media and by, you know, generally anybody, I hate to say it, but generally anybody on the left, because they, they seem to just, if you don't believe in everything that's left, then you're this awful alt-right person. That's how I see it. If I'm wrong, then somebody can correct me on that. But it just seems like the rules change depending on who's talking. One of the things they talked about in the Wearing Webster definition is the white supremacist part. The white supremacy basically means that you think that white, the white race, which to me is strange because when you're talking about white people, you're talking about a broad group of people that... <laughs> Like you're talking, like you're saying Italians and Russians are the same thing, basically. They're not. They're not. <laughs> yeah. A German and a French person are the same person. An American white person and a Norwegian are the same person. No. I mean, every, that's another thing that I have a problem with. But besides that, a white supremacist thinks that the white race is superior to all other races. 
And I've yet to see with some of the people that got banned today or this week, I don't, I haven't heard a single one of them. And I listened to all of them. I've never seen or listened or heard them ever say that white people are better than any other race, especially since Milo Yiannopoulos is a Greek, Russian, homosexual. Christian. (laughs) And he's Catholic. Yeah. Um, and then you have Laura Loomer, who is a, she has dual citizenship, I believe. She's got Israeli and American citizenship. She clearly does not believe that the white race is superior. <laughs> and uh, I'd okay. say she's clearly not anti-Semitic. And Louis Farrakhan? Louis Farrakhan, how in the world do you get the idea? Have I missed something? I've, I, how is he saying that white people are superior to other people? I, I have never heard him say that. I've heard the opposite. Because what color is he again? In case in case nobody knows who like he actually is. If you don't know who Louis Farrakhan is, you live in a cave somewhere. But if you don't, look him up. He's clearly not a white person. Okay? <laughs> and he's he is known for saying a lot of deflammatory stuff against the is against the Jews and the Israeli like the Israeli country in general. He's called Jews termites and that they should be treated like termites, which means what do you do with termites? You exterminate them, right? Mm-hmm. So that's pretty racist in my opinion, but he's not talking about the white people being superior to them. <sighs> Even with that definition of alt-right, the people that got banned this week, I would not call them alt-right. I would say they're definitely controversial and I definitely think that that's true. And then Alex Jones, I mean, we all know Alex Jones is a controversial person, but he's never once made any statements about race of people that need to be moved or gotten rid of or that one race is better than the other. He talks about a lot of anti-government stuff. And actually, I think, wasn't he either arrested for it or at least was there? Uh, Like he's been out back in the day, he was out protesting against the KKK. Yeah. You know, like he's been, say whatever you want about him. He's definitely not a white supremacist. Yeah, I would definitely. I I just feel like we've gotten way too far with that definition. And so I guess the big thing is, is I think that when when you're saying that everybody on the right is racist and misogynistic and they are alt-right, I mean, you're talking about half of the nation. If you really think that, then how do you walk down the street? You know, how do you feel safe? How do you leave your house? <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't leave my house if I thought that. I would stay in, indoors. I, I mean, I'm in a marriage where I'm married to somebody who's not considered white. I would be afraid to have children and live with him and go run in a 5K with him on a Saturday morning if I really thought that that was true. I don't think, I mean, I think that's the thing is there's no way people think that this is true. You're not really scared of these people. <laughs> no, I think it's a, a convenient moving of the goalposts. So hearkening back to your little uh, Calvin and Hobbes uh, <laughs> reference, the goalposts are being changed and it's just for convenience and political sake and political gain. I think it's also proves the problem with collectivist thought, collectivism generally, throwing all people into one category. And I mean, it's something that we have to be conscious of as we make our critiques of people that might not necessarily agree with us, whether they're on the left or right, putting people into categories and labeling them as such, it's a dehumanizing process. Absolutely. That's exactly how (sighs) Nazi Germany, 
the atrocious terrors of Nazi Germany, a lot of it had to do with labeling a certain race or minority of people as uh, non-humans. And so I think it's just very dangerous to throw around labels like that. It really has consequences. It almost tells you that we didn't learn anything from history either. Which is very annoying. <laughs> we keep making the same mistakes. And which is ironic too, because the people that are calling the other people Nazis are the ones that are acting like Nazis. Acting like Nazis. <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, I hate to say that, but I mean, I'm not trying to label anybody as a Nazi. I'm just saying you're acting like Nazis because... You're afraid of a group of people having influence and maybe even changing your lifestyle. And so you want to silence them and put them somewhere where they can't be seen or heard or can mess with you. And I think that's a dangerous precedent. I don't think we need to go down that road. Freedom of speech is something that, number one, should be protected by our Constitution. And we should, I feel like we've all lost the concept of that. Maybe we, maybe our public school education didn't really prepare people for this particular day to happen we just took for granted that we had it and now we don't protect it no i think that's definitely true um people nowadays seem to have forgotten like the context of where we came from as humans as americans as just the whole race of people you know i mean considering we've made un godly amounts of progress in terms of humans living better lives than they did hundreds of years ago, mm -hmm. thousands of years ago, 20 years ago, even. Some of these old ways of thinking seem to not have been shaken. And I think this right. is one of those things that, um, so it's inherent to human nature, I think, to, uh, like tribalism is a thing. And there's always going to be, like, there's been plenty of really excellent psychological research done to show that people will always end up choosing their own over others. And there's no denying that. And to certain degrees and extents, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, like we should all be able to interact with whom we want to as the whole thing is just, let's keep all these interactions voluntary and keep it peaceful. Because as soon as we start to like restrict freedoms is when that tribalism becomes a little bit more dangerous and ultimately violent. And I think, you know, people are playing with fire because right. you were mentioning before the show, we were talking about how as soon as uh, somebody gets banned, one, <laughs> they become a lot more popular. I don't know if anybody realized that. Mm -hmm. So Alex Jones, when he was first the platform from Twitter first, and then Apple mm -hmm. and, you know, they took his app down and all that stuff. YouTube, did YouTube deplatform him as, as, as well in that first yep. round? All on the same yep. day. Nice and, uh, nice and uh, coordinated. He became so much more popular because it, it really almost like incentivizes his following to not believe anything negative about him. It, 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 it heightens... It heightens his popularity. People that were probably just uh, relying on the free content on YouTube, they they lost the channel that they wanted to watch. So they were willing to spend the money to get the membership to hear him. And so, I mean, that's what you're going to find. Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg, uh, Jack Dorsey. You're going to find that you're going to be making these people more powerful and, and more popular. But also, and this is something that I, I was 
telling Maddie when I, before I, I started, we started recording, I was listening to uh, Anomaly on, on YouTube because he was talking about this topic. This could potentially make things a little bit more dangerous too, because when you take away their ability to freely speak and then receive constructive or maybe even non-constructive criticism, then they're going to keep going down this narrow mindset of like how they think about the world and how they think about these issues. And you may find that they become more extreme in their thinking because you don't give them a platform where other people can express their dislike with their opinions. And maybe even, you know, maybe sometimes Alex Jones is wrong or Laura Loomer is wrong. And when she would be on um, Instagram, there would be people commenting on some of the things that she would say and countering some of the things that she said. Well, now she can't get that information. And you could make the argument, well, she probably doesn't read those comments anyways. But we don't really know. The thing is, is now you're not giving her the chance to have feedback. And that's important, I think. We live in a country where we think that we have like the best ideas, where we think that we have the most freedom and that we have the most to offer to the rest of the world. You know, the left can definitely get behind the idea of we need, we should be allowing immigrants in this country. We should be allowing these people to escape poverty, which means that we think that we have something to offer these people, right? We have a better society than they, than they came from. The reason why that is, is because we allow people to speak their mind. I mean, there are women in Iran right now in prison because they are protesting wearing hijabs. Because they just don't want to wear we touched on last week. The one, uh, what did she just get sentenced to? 38 years, I believe. And she had an 148 lashings. Talk about barbaric. I mean, that, guys, think about that just for a second. Just meditate on that for a moment. She wasn't saying anything that we would consider controversial. She just doesn't want to wear a covering on her head. And because she expressed that dislike out loud, she's in prison right now. And she's facing over 100 lashings. That's going to rip her back apart, okay? Over and over. Have you ever seen somebody get beat? I've unfortunately have seen things like that, and it's awful. We need perspective. (laughs) Like, yeah, maybe I will agree. Sometimes Paul Joseph Watson, he says things that are, (laughs) he means them in tongue and cheek most of the time, but he does say things that I, I would think, I can understand why people might say he's controversial, but I'm glad that he's able to... Well, I was glad that he was able to express those opinions because it makes you think. It makes you uncomfortable. Things that make you uncomfortable make you think a little bit. You know, it challenges your your viewpoint on things. And I know I've been challenged on my viewpoints because of having the ability to speak my mind. I've been corrected on things multiple times, online, in person. So sometimes it's not comfortable to be told that you're wrong or that someone disagrees with you, but you, you still make it, you know, you don't immediately die when somebody disagrees with you. At least I don't. Do you, Maddie? No. I mean, (laughs) part of me does. The perfectionist side of me definitely does. But like I was reading this morning, like the perfectionism actually isn't like a, it's something that enables shame. And so, you know, we have to be, we have to be allowed to be wrong. We have to be free to be wrong. We have to be able to express our ideas out loud. We have to, like, that's how we think. That's how we hone our thoughts. Peterson talks about it all the time, that, like, the importance of actually speaking our mind, speaking our thoughts out loud, 
is it's how we formulate them. It's how we bring new ideas into the world. And hopefully, like, that's the only way we're going to be able to get the better ideas out. We can't just have this pre-prescribed idea of what is right, what is allowed to be thought, because that is how everything gets uh, distinguished, or, no, diminished. Mm -hmm. And extinguished. (laughs) That's how everything becomes diminished, extinguished. It prevents innovation. It prevents human progress. And, and so like one quote that keeps coming to mind um, and is something that I actually think about on a daily basis for myself because I've got plenty of my own blind spots I always have to work out and make sure I'm um, holding myself accountable because if I have these ideas that everybody should be responsible for their own, their own actions, their own thoughts, their own behavior, like I've got, that means I've really got to always keep myself in check if I want to hold myself to like those ideas and hope that others can maybe think about adopting them themselves but there's a lot of pressure on me nothing like a nothing like a good uh weight of the world on you this quote from aristotle really uh i think rings true but so it's attributed to him at least on uh, the internet but it says it is the mark of an educated mind to be able to entertain a thought without accepting it so being able to hear ideas that we maybe haven't heard before or haven't considered before, even have heard and disagree with. I think like all those ideas coming into our brain, it's the only way we're going to become smarter and um, better and stronger, more resilient people. Resilient people is what we need if we're going to Mm -hmm. take on the next world catastrophe, the next stock market crash, the next Hurricane Sandy, the next school shooting, the next uh, in your own personal life, like if you go bankrupt, you know, if you if somebody in your family dies, all of these things are in order to make us better. And I think if we if we shut down people's ability to say whatever crazy ideas on their mind, again, the only restriction I think that might come from that might, might be applied is something and someone that actually incites violence or tries to send people in a violent mob to attack people, which, which, you know, I think actually has been done. And those people aren't getting deplatformed. Nope. Nope. Antifa still, there's Antifa, uh, branches of Antifa all over Twitter right now. What kills me is the irony of Antifa, that they're quote unquote anti-fascists, but they seem to act exactly like fascists would act. And have acted and do act because clearly yeah. fascism is not dead. No. I think that if we're not careful, we're going to head that way because, I, and I don't think that people really understand what fascism, what, how it started and what it is. And that's, I mean, that's a history lesson right there that I don't really want to get too far into. But my understanding of history, and, and this is like in the 20th century, of th- of government changes of major, like, they we're talking about the rise of fascism, Nazism, and communism. All of those started with violence. A lot of people died. And in recent history, I mean, a lot of people make the claim that war started over religion, but not, ne- not in recent times. In recent times, wars have started over political ideologies, and it has killed women and children and it has brought countries into poverty and it has done very little to raise any standard of living. Like I just look at what we have right now and we could easily lose it because 
that's how it happened in Germany. That's how it happened in Italy. That's how it happened in Russia. Places that were considered first world countries. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, a lot of people don't even understand what was going on in Spain at that time, too. They were having a civil war against the uh, fascists and the communists. And just Spain alone had... God, if you watch... I mean, if you read any books about that time or about or documentaries or movies about that time, it was a violent time in Spanish history, too. And it's just not something that we... We don't want to go through that, guys. We really, we really don't. Not again. It's not going to... I don't want my children to live that. I'd much rather I'd much rather live next to my neighbor and know that he is completely fine with abortion and we just never talk about it and that never be the topic of conversation, but we share recipes or he borrows sugar from our house, whatever. I'm fine with that. I'm cool with that because I can, res- I, I don't agree with that, but I can be his neighbor. And I think that we have come where we just are, there's people that just have no ability to put aside those things and just look at the person as an individual and allow them their time to speak, their time to exist, their time to live, their time, that their ability to make money. So we got to grow up a little bit. We're not children anymore. I mean, that's literally what children act like. Children act like that. They silence each other. They bully each other. We've got to grow up. I think what um, yeah. what makes the polarization and the tribalism more heightened, uh, I mentioned before about like when things seem like they're getting bad, like the economy's turning sour. Scarcity is something I think that heightens both of those things. Um, But another thing that would heighten those artificially would be government control, government involvement. So, you know, the reason you and that hypothetical neighbor of yours would only have to have issues might be that one of you wants the government to do something, wants wants to make that other person do something. And I think the fact that our federal government in particular is so overarching and is involved in every aspect of human life, whether you can really see that or not, it really just takes like a, a brush, a, a dusting off of a surface to see that because some higher authority, this like human imposed higher authority has control over these things that they should absolutely have no control over. That's what makes everything a little bit more intense and and then ultimately insane yeah people like to criticize religion because of all the past wars well it wasn't the religion it was the state and so that was back when state and church were unified and you know that's one of the things that we thankfully have a separation of in our country because other places in the world do not have that. See Iran, see Saudi Arabia, the theocracies. We are able to have that kind of separation. And ultimately, you know, we shouldn't be worried about religion. That should be something that, um, you know, in this libertarian or voluntarist society, we'd like to share <laughs> and hope and hope we can all sort of get a little bit closer to each and every day. It doesn't matter it goes back to like that principle of you're allowed to freely practice whatever religion you want you're allowed to say whatever you want especially against your government you're allowed to 
freely associate with whomever you want. Well, I think too, and this is, I mean, when you're, I am a, I am the type of person that I don't like being told what to do. And there's a lot of people out there that are like Same. me. And the moment, and when I was a child, the moment my parents said, you can't go in that closet or you can't do that thing. The first thing I wanted to do was exactly what I was not supposed the forbidden to. forbidden fruit. Because I would think, because I would think, well, obviously there's something really awesome in that closet that my mom and dad don't want me to get. So I'm going to figure out how to get in there. Same thing goes with this banning of free speech is what you've just done now, guys. I'm just going to say this right now. Jack Dorsey, Mark Zuckerberg, what you've just done is you've just made Laura Loomer, Paul Joseph Watson, Alex Jones, and Miley Yiannopoulos and Louis Farrakhan, and maybe even more. You've made them sound really intriguing now. So people are going to check them out. Not everybody, but a lot of people are going to start checking these people out. So I just want you to think about that. And it might be the people that really maybe don't need to be listening to people like Louis Farrakhan. Yeah. That sounds scary. There's There, there really are. I mean, I'm not going to lie. There really are some crazy white supremacists out there that live in some rural areas or in very isolated areas, and they only hang out with other white supremacists. They're married to other white supremacists. They go to the church where all of that stuff is, pro- is you know, basically told to them. You've seen American History X, right? <laughs> yeah. So they don't. They're not looking for alternative information, but now you've made these people think, okay, well, I'm being targeted now, so I'm going to, I'm going to shrink into this community even more. I'm barely going to go outside of my community because I really hate these people now. So I don't even want to hear what they have to say. And you're just making these people, honestly, you're making them more crazy because they don't, they're more they're more afraid or maybe they're more angry at this at the left side for trying to silence them and then also try to demonize them whereas before they were just like "Eh, i don't need it i'm just gonna i just have this community here and i'm fine i don't need anything else but now you've waged a war against them in their mind they think there's a war now this has happened before in history just look up ruby ridge look up timothy mcveigh Okay, just look at Waco, for example. I mean, they were demonized as a cult, a dangerous cult. So they suddenly started just hanging out with themselves and pulling into themselves. And that just isn't good. We, we don't want to do that. We want, we may not like what these people have to say, but I'd much rather know what they think than not know what they think and, and be afraid that they're planning and plotting something. Okay. So it's just, who was it? Dave Rubin says that sunlight is the best disinfectant. Yeah. Let's just get the, let these people have a say. The thing is guys, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, they all have a place where you can block these people. You don't have to listen to them. See, that's the thing is we live in a country where we can not only have free speech, but we can freely associate. Mm -hmm. We don't have to listen to them. So I'm not sure what everybody was so worried about or up in arms about. I don't know. I mean, 
Jack Dorsey and Mark Zuckerberg gave us block features on these on these forums. So I don't understand why people can't just block them. I don't know. I guess like people so being devil's advocate here, the people who would be in favor of the blocking of this collection of people in particular is going to say that, you know, they're dangerous, they're they are inciting violence, which I've never seen any evidence of, and I don't think they could pull it out as well. That just goes to the whole convenience of a label, as I was talking about earlier. Honestly, if we're going to label anybody as dangerous, I think, what's his name, Farrakhan has probably said the most atrocious thing. So I'm still amazed that he was thrown under the bus as well because of who he's really good friends with. But Google. Mm-hmm. Um Google Louis Farrakhan and basically any political figure. I mean, Maxine Waters to Colin Powell. They've all been pictured with him. They've all been associated with him. These are people that are in our government. Sorry. Yeah. Who, let's all just be uh, reminded of that they are the most dangerous people on the planet. Those people Mm. running our government. Because we are the strongest force that exists and that has ever existed. Be careful who you vote into office. Yeah. And that kind of leads me to like the free association thing I just mentioned briefly. We should be allowed to choose who we want to be friends with, who we want to be married to, who we want to do business with, and who we want to listen to and who we want to spend our time with. That that should be something that we're allowed to do. We are not, you know, we don't live in uh, Saudi Arabia or We don't live in 15th century England. You know, we live in this time in America. We should have learned by now these things. So, you know, you have that right. You have free will. You don't have to listen to ideas that you don't like. That's your choice. But it's not, it's considered violence it's considered overstepping someone else's rights when you try to silence them and keep them from having their chance to do the same as you do definitely and not having those people who you know have quote-unquote dangerous ideas figure things out and um maybe learn and maybe improve or deliver their messages better in ways that maybe aren't misconstrued towards violence you know we all have the ability to get better and to reflect and to improve uh, like hone our thoughts hone our opinions and if we don't have the ability to do so and to be able to voice those thoughts and ideas that is when um we get into those echo chambers or like a very toxic thought bubble where everybody agrees with you and you're not able to interact with other ideas um that might conflict with yours or might be different or might uh poke holes in your argument i know i've become better and I think a lot more well-rounded of a person because I spent a lot of time listening to ideas that were very um, harsh and critical of things that I once believed in and I think keeping the open mind, checking your blind spots, exploring people that you don't agree with, exploring uh, with everything that's out there is I think the best way to self-improve. I think the best bet is to assume that the person that you disagree with has a amount of logic behind their ideas. So you at least need to give them that. Because, I mean, I can say for a fact, I mean, I have friends. One of my best friends is a liberal. 
And I'm married to a man who is, I guess he would consider himself a liberal. They don't agree with me on a lot, but I have respect for them. And I assume that they came to their opinions based on a amount of logic. And I think that they assume on the same end that I have a certain amount of logic behind my ideas, but we just don't agree. But we have found a way to associate with each other. We have other things in common that keep us together. And that could be true of anybody else in society. You know, you don't have to just make the assumption that because somebody is white or Christian or anti-abortion, that everything else about them you can't like because that's just small-minded. That's not a good way to think about things. And that's how you, that's how you get angry and depressed. I mean, we have a lot of that in this country. We certainly don't need any more of that. And everybody talks about no. how we need, we need to heal. We need to come together as one. Yeah, we definitely do. And I think the way to do so though, is to embrace that other people are going to be different from us. Mm -hmm. We are unique. We are, our ideas and our values are subjective and they are only going to be something that the individual holds that like there's never there's no two same people there's never going to be two same exact ideas jesse and i have differences and disagreements we both kind of like two things eh, not too many but um (laughs) generally we've got a lot of things that overlap but like she and i both it's that common agreement and respect of the other to agree to disagree and um since we both do have the underlying principle of non-aggression that we both are very anti-violence upon peaceable people you know we're able to actually live and let live that's just something that like we would hope other people can adopt (sighs) yeah but it really is i mean i'm i'm one of those types of people that and maybe maybe that's a rare quality but i want to be proven wrong if i'm really wrong about something i want to know why i'm wrong I, because I don't want to be wrong. I'll, I don't want to go walking around with a, with a mindset that is inaccurate. So if I'm wrong, show me how I'm wrong. Logically explain to me the steps in which I got it wrong. And I will, I love to have that discussion with people. Maybe I won't agree with you on that. Or maybe I don't, maybe you're, you're absolutely right about me being wrong about a topic and I change my mind. That's the thing. But I think if we come to each other with more respect, I think we have a chance at changing hearts and minds in the better direction. And at the very least, we have a more peaceful society. At the end of the day, that is something that our society really does need as far as healing. That's what the healing needs to be, is just mutual respect for each other, which we do not have. Uh, I mean, I'll even say it on the right and in the libertarian movement, if you don't agree with us on certain things, I mean, some of us will come at you, call you an idiot, a moron, even with fellow libertarians, we'll just eat each other up over things. And that's got to stop. That's got to be something that we change within ourselves too. It's not just, I'm not trying to just demonize the left or anything. No, the right and the libertarian world is just as just as guilty of one, the overgeneralizing, the labeling, just, and also very contradictory thoughts and beliefs to what you say your principles are versus what you act out in the real world. Mm-hmm. 
just I've been over here googling this whole time, uh, trying to figure out what rule ten from Jordan. Uh, or no, not rule ten. What is it? It's a really important one. Why can't I find it? Oh, number nine. Uh, assume the person you were listening to knows something that you don't. So why we can yes. benefit from people that could be diametrically opposed to what we believe in. It takes a lot of self-peace to sometimes sit and listen to somebody that you don't agree with, but um, I think that's always something that we should strive for, and I know I've been exposed to thought on all sides of the spectrum that is in definite disagreement with uh, me and where I stand. I live in Maryland. I'm a female. I'm already pre-prescribed like what to think, and I don't think any of it <laughs> at all. So I am forced to keep quiet many times because I would not be socially accepted. Thankfully, like, I'm very secure in my job, but if I had a different job, I might have to not really be myself there in certain social circles. But, you know, it's because of this idea that we are all supposed to think and act the same way. I don't know where that came from, or, but it's not. It's very contrary to humanism, which I've mentioned before is where I am, that the I respect human life and the mind a human is able to wield, and all the thoughts, exactly. all the thoughts and opinions that uh, might come from one. I mean, just think about the free speech issue is such a huge issue that, I mean, we could spend like hours on this topic, but I mean, just think about how society in general the Western society has changed based off of freedom of speech. I was thinking as Maddie was talking about the principles of just like letting the other person talk and just assuming that they have something important to tell you. I was thinking all of, all of Western Europe in the medieval time, no, not medieval times. I would say about 15th century King, King Henry the eighth. I'm thinking they were going through a change of, um, there was, just a way that they were thinking about Catholicism, Christianity in general, they were, they, they were going through that time period and there was a big, big step by government to shut these people down. Because I remember reading that there was a group of people saying that you should be able to read the Bible yourself and instead of the priest, read the Bible to you. And that was considered just blasphemy. Heresy. I mean, it was just terrible. And you could be put to death if you were found with a Bible because people protested and put their life on the line. That was changed. And that is freedom of speech. That is a freedom of speech issue. I mean, from the beginning of time, when we think about all the ways that we have progressed as society, allowing people more freedoms, when we're talking about ending slavery, when we're talking about giving women the right to vote, when we're talking about getting children out of the mines and letting them go to school things like that. That is all a freedom of speech issue. Okay. We today, abolition of yeah, slavery. We just think that that's so ridiculous today that, uh, what we're doing, especially on the left, they think it's so ridiculous. Like, I mean, come on, Alex Jones is just a crazy person. Why did we want to allow him a platform for the same reason that we want somebody who is going to talk about human rights, they allow, allow them the right to have a, a, a chance to speak. I mean, we need, as this, as this nation, we need to uphold that right because there are other nations that do not have that right. And they, if they see us 
allowing our just even the smallest citizen the right to say something, other nations will be more they'll see how we have progressed as a society and how successful we are, and they will use us as an example for themselves. Women in India do not have that freedom of speech. Okay? People in Iran do not have that freedom of speech. People in Afghanistan don't have that freedom of speech. But it but we do, and because we have that right, we really should allow it to all of our citizens and we should also use that. And the next thing I was going to say, and maybe we should kind of end it after this, is the argument that a lot of people will say about Facebook and Twitter is that they are private companies and they have a right to do that. Okay. There may be some truth to that, but they also receive tax dollars from our government. Facebook get, gets tax dollars from China to... Gross. Yeah, to keep people in China in check basically cuz they have a they have, they're more strict about their speech laws than we are and twitter if i am correct they twitter gets uh, quite a bit of money from saudi arabia as well which probably explains why milo and laura loomer got got kicked off cuz they're talking they say a lot of anti-islamic stuff but I mean, some of it's the human rights stuff they're talking about. They're not necessarily saying that all Muslims. I mean, I think that's the thing that people don't understand when they they just take the sound bites of what they say. They're talking about extremist Muslims. I guess it looks bad on all Muslims. I'm not sure. Bottom line is they're not 100% private companies. They're receiving government money. And so that's something to really think about. Do you really feel like it's okay for a company that receives our tax dollars to have the right to silence us citizens? Do you think that's okay? You know, really, maybe we need to end it on that. It's just to think about that. Yeah, no, and definitely along that exact line, when you think about it, and I think this is probably like exactly what you would agree with, you want to have somebody or some entity have this power to control things such as speech or what's uh, admitted on the platform, especially from such a big top-down authoritarian level. It's like, imagine your greatest enemy having that power and what that would do to you. And it will happen. I think about that It all will the time, happen. And it will happen. If you allow this, I'm just going to tell this to the left and to Jack Dorsey and Mark Zuckerberg, you have the power right now. I mean, at least over the mainstream media and over what what image you want to put out and what information you want to put out. You have it now, but there will be a time when you don't have that. And because you set a precedent, it can be used against you. And that's a scary thought. And I don't want that to happen to anyone. So, because I love everybody. I love everybody too. (laughs) So on that happy, cheery note, we're, as a country, supposed to be a beacon on the hill, but in order for our country to even be that beacon, we've got to be beacons ourselves. I'd like to say thanks, Jesse and myself. Uh, we had fun, once again, talking about uh, talking, in particular, this subject. I want to also give a big thanks to our network, Cam and Ryan, behind the scenes, working that MLGA podcast network, really bringing things to life over there. I'm really excited for what's to come, and uh, we'll be able to share with you further. We've got an awesome artist behind the scenes, our guy Jason. He's been helping us with our logo and uh, some more things to come. If you'd like to follow us, we're on Instagram, you know, for now, at Voluntary Vixens. On Twitter, at Vixens Voluntary. 
Don't know how uh, our name got taken by somebody else, but, uh, you know, at least they had the inverse. Feel free to email us with commentary or even things to discuss, voluntaryvixens at gmail.com. And on behalf of us both, I'd like to say let's keep it sane, keep it peaceful, most importantly, let's keep this voluntary. Definitely. Bye. Bye.